So, okay, so here's an interesting thing I saw today before we get into our topic. Uh, I, on YouTube, and, and you mentioned Eddie Trunk uh, before we started rolling, and that reminded me because it was on Eddie Trunk's show, and it was this little five-minute clip, and it was Kirk Hammett talking about how he did not contribute to the writing of Hardwired to Self-Destruct. <laughs> so I guess that means that, like... There was writing? I thought they just sort of, like, right, copied but, stuff they'd done before. Well, yes, but here, here's what they copied, is that they used to not let Kirk Hammett write anything. No, there <laughs> that you used go. To be the thing is that James wrote everything... Is and this kind of like when uh, Fate's Warning let Ray start writing? <laughs> yeah, probably. Went to shit. Yeah, because um, I remember that being, you know, part of their drama was, you know, James wrote all the riffs and Kirk played solos and that was it. And he was like super rigid about it. And but so it's really interesting because when he did start, when they were like, you know, when they, they tried to get all mature and like get along. Uh, you mean through therapy sessions, right? And they let him contribute, and they made Saint Anger. <laughs> and um, but I mean, they were already terrible at that point. Right. Well, he might have also contributed on like load and reload or something too, because those were also pretty. Who was the genius behind Unforgiven Two? <laughs> Give that man a race. <laughs> uh, I love uh, that, and uh, that one. I my favorite, my favorite terrible Metallica ideas. Not Lulu. That's just so bad that it's not funny. But uh, Unforgiven 2 and The Memory Remains with Marianne Faithful. <laughs> those, what, a, what a way to train wreck that. Yeah, those those two are the ones I think <laughs> I, I have fond memories of laughing at those songs whenever I Would heard them. Would you say that your memory remains? <laughs> yes, my memory of that remains. Fortune, fame, so, <laughs> gone insane. Means. Yeah, um... So, <laughs> so bad. Um, so it was really it was funny because Kirk was talking about like, you know, how he has mixed feelings about it, but uh, it worked out because he could just focus on his leads. I'm like, did you? Because <laughs> haven't you been doing that all along and it hasn't helped? Well, and all the leads sound exactly like right. they're like watered down versions from 1987. Yes, when he also was free to focus on the leads, but yeah. they also weren't that good. Like. Yeah, I feel like that band has an excess of feelings of, of those therapy sessions or any indication. Right. Well, they've been repressing them for so long. Are you? <laughs> I don't need no instructions to know how to rock unless uh, you, uh, professional <laughs> psychology man, have, have any. <laughs> then, uh, then I will listen and we will perhaps incorporate those on the next album to yeah. the detriment of all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but it, the, so at the end of the, this is a little like five minute clip, but at the end of it, he was basically like, but it worked out really well because it's a really good album. <laughs> because and I'm we, like, because <sighs> people bought it for some reason, right. people were so desperate to believe it's one of those deals where like you want to believe so badly that wh whoever it is, is a right. good person. People <laughs> want to believe so badly that Metallica is not terrible <laughs> that they're like, I bought it. It's so good. I yeah. paid money <laughs> To acquire it, and I listened to it all the way through. I bought it on three different colors of vinyl. One time, I have all all the different <laughs> vinyl colors available because because they sound different. So colored vinyl actually does sound different than black wax. No. So oh, it does. Yeah, oh, check, really? check this out. So yeah. uh, <laughs> technology tip for for all you hipsters out there. So the reason why is because the temperature at which the uh, vinyl deforms is lower. 
So what ends up happening, this is compared to like a normal black wax press. I don't know anything about various, like, I don't know if like orange vinyl sounds different than purple vinyl. All I know is like colored versus black. Mm. Uh, and of course, there will probably be exceptions, you, people who want to send us hate mail. Yep. But so what ends up happening is essentially the needle won't, it doesn't sit in the groove the same way. It kind of like glides on the vinyl. Mm. So you get like a different sound. <laughs> that's a rap, That's an actual thing. Interesting. I'm so have to look into that. We have to do so <laughs> everybody who has your pristine picture discs, you might want to break this out. Yeah. Um, oh man, what? Um, I don't know. I had something about physical music discs, but I forgot it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so anyway, Eddie Eddie Trunk had this the Metallica thing. Was that the whole deal? It was just a, a random clip, and it literally was like Kirk Hammett talks about how he didn't write anything on this album, and I was like, "What? Please tell me more." And it was basically like they didn't say that it was part of the Back to Our Roots plan. None of them, but like, it clearly is. None of them actually wrote anything, though. I'm sticking with that because essentially yeah. here, I feel like there's a turning point when when Lars played that fill on the Black album that went ta 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 right. Cause that's like everywhere on this disc. <laughs> did we talk? Did I talk on the podcast about my cab drive? How I listened to the whole album? No, at Nam. Because so my so I got in this Uber pool, uh, and and the guy was playing the new Metallica, oh. and he'd like just put it on, but I didn't know because I didn't know the order of the tracks. It was right. just it was just that one Atlas Rise or what or whatever the 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 first single was. And I was like, is this the new Metallica? And he's like, yeah, man, kicks ass. And he like turned it up. And I was like, oh, that's not uh, where I was going with that. <laughs> that's not that was, the direction uh, I was going with the I'll, I will inquiry. Sit, I will sit silently for the rest of the trip. <laughs> but then, but then I, I pulled it because I had all day and I didn't care how quick I got there. So I was like, sure, I'll say. So how many people did sure, you to listen to Metallica? <laughs> well, we picked up some like college girl and he like turned it down. Before, <laughs> sure, she got in the car and I like, was like, was this discrimination? No, you he, make me listen to it. Well, I think he was trying to maximize his driver rating, and he probably figured like I'd be like, "Hell yeah, man, Metallica!" Yeah. But uh, but this girl clearly, uh, she she was of the age where she probably would have been like, "Isn't that like dad music? <laughs> yeah, isn't that like what dads listen to?" <laughs> be like, uh, I mean. People of dad age, but aren't necessarily actually dads. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> Maybe deadbeat dads listen to a lot yeah. of Metallica. Speaking of, I don't know. did you ever hear that? Have you ever heard that band, the Deadbeat Dads? No, they're amazing. They have they have a song called uh, "All My Exes Cash My Checkses." <laughs> they're, they're great. Nice. Uh, making delinquency fun. Check it out. Check it out, guys. <laughs> All right, so really quick, I'm going to introduce this new segment. Uh, I'll make a bumper next time it comes up. Uh, we've technically done this one twice, although I did it wrong because I provided context. So the segment <laughs> is going to be called Out of Context, where we provide great out-of-context quotes from musicians. Uh, if you heard our uh, Heavy Montreal episode, we had <laughs> Iggy Pop, who said... I'm almost dead, and I need this, man. No, he said, I fucking need this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I almost, I he's like, he's like, he's like, I'm almost dead, and I fucking need this. <laughs> he sounded like he was about to die. Yeah, which is why I'm still surprised whenever I hear that he's not dead. Uh, but, right, especially like with everybody else popping off. Right. You're like, what? Iggy's got the secret sauce, man. Yeah. 
him and Keith Richards map, are taking the right drugs. Or map something. that genome. <laughs> I need I need whatever gene therapy we can get based on Keith Richards. Um, stat. And then the the second one is from uh, this year's Nam show. Marty Friedman. <laughs> Massive cojones. That's what I like to see. <laughs> what? Uh, and then the newest one is uh, uh, Joe Rogan podcast with Henry Rollins. Uh, it was a really good podcast. Uh, and I never, I was never that big of a Henry Rollins guy because I don't listen to much punk and uh, or spoken word, right? Or spoken word. And I was always, and all, yeah. And I was also like, well, that's cool, but whatever. But uh, it was the stuff he talked about in this Joe Rogan was interesting. Because I kind of didn't realize like what he's been up to since he basically stopped doing music, which is also interesting. He talks about that in there too. It was kind of interesting because he basically just woke up one day. He's like, "I'm out of lyrics, so <laughs> I think I'm done." And then he literally <laughs> called somebody like, "Yeah, I'm done." But anyway, so at one point they're talking, and uh, Henry Rollins says, uh, "I just want to explode as much as possible." <laughs> And I will not give any context for that. <laughs> Be like, you got to listen to the episode. Yeah. Be uh, like, it's a really good podcast. You're welcome, Joe Rogan. Yeah. You're welcome, Joe Rogan. I know you need those views. It's uh, helping you out a little bit. Uh, friend, so, of the, friend of the show, Joe Rogan. Friend of the show. Um, so, okay. We're Hash, so, hashtag Joe Rogan. So we both recently saw a movie that's several years old. Uh which I honestly didn't see because nobody told me what it was about correctly. Yeah. I So I don't remember how I heard about it. I feel like someone told me to watch it, didn't really give me any contact. I, because what I think happened was it was at the same time someone told me to watch Untitled, which is another – if you're a fan of this podcast, you yeah. need to watch that. Yeah. And But I don't remember any context, and I watch movies so infrequently – that I didn't watch it for years until I, I've been on a lot of planes this year. Mm. And so it, it was just like I eventually got to it in my like, hey, what's on my tablet and ended up watching it. Right. And that's when yeah. I was like, have you guys seen this? Yeah. And when you told me about it, that's when I was like, oh, I need to actually see that because because uh, I did a better job of explaining what right. happened. Better, like, literally nobody else had ever properly told me what that movie's about. And uh, so the movie is Exit Through the Gift Shop, and it is not fucking about Banksy. <laughs> yeah. It's not about... And he even says... Banksy right. in the movie yeah. says that it's not about right. him. Like at the beginning. Like, it's... it's who? I don't think... Okay, so the reason uh, I did hear about it was because it was on the Oscars, because it was up for Best Documentary, and I don't remember if it... It might have won. I don't remember, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it just was like... This documentary about Banksy, and I was like, "Fuck Banksy! Don't give a shit about Banksy. <laughs> Ooh, nobody knows who it is. Who gives a shit? Like, I mean, it probably makes sense because what he's doing is probably vaguely illegal sometimes. Oh yeah, but uh, well, also no, when he, they talk about the they printed the, that fake money. Oh and he was yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. He's like, and then we realized that, uh, you can totally spend this, <laughs> right? No, like lots yeah. of the stuff he's doing is like not. There's not like a gray area. He's like, right. this is really not okay. Yeah, like destruction of public property. Then they steal, like they steal the phone booth. Like there's all kinds of stuff where like yeah. super legal. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I was kind of I was like, is this whole thing going to be about like who is this guy? Because like I don't give a fuck. Like. <laughs> Like ninety, right, especially if there's no payoff. Right, especially if the whole thing is like we still don't know. And, and to be fair, I feel like so, especially based on like music, I feel like, with the exception of like, 
well, not in music, but in uh, in general, the only example I can think of where something like that actually paid off is like maybe Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. doing his whole Tony Clifton thing because nobody knew that was him. Well, right. Well, and the other thing was was I mean, Andy Kaufman like was a performance artist, right. and that part of the whole his whole thing was the blurring the line, right? Like right, when he right. used to have the intergender wrestling matches, and like <laughs> yes. like he did so much shit that it was to, like it was essentially like. A precursor to identity politics in a lot of ways, which is really fucked up when you think mm, about it. Yeah. But right. So so I think Andy Hoffman is definitely like the exception. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So a, a good a, a counterexample. So uh, cases when it wasn't it didn't fucking matter or like nobody. <laughs> so a good example is Buckethead. Right. Because he's clearly just some dude who plays guitar and that's that's his thing. But right, he's just like the gimmick. He's got to be some other famous guitar player. Why? No. Why would he be some other famous right. guitar player who plays totally different from other famous guitar players right because you first of all everyone <laughs> knows far less marketable music yeah like everyone knows like you never split split your branding unless you're afraid that the one thing will <laughs> damn it like will adversely impact your other right. thing but so he would but, have to secretly be like a really successful but not super flashy right, guitar no, player but, no but i can but i can i can prove that he's not right because guns and roses Oh yeah, because yeah. he would have played in Guns N' Roses as his, his right, actual. Right. They wouldn't have identity. hired him as Buckethead if, right. they, if he was anybody more famous right. than Buckethead. No, he is Buckethead, right? That's and, it. and and he's and, a weird dude. So he, yeah, right. And it doesn't matter. And you know what? Here's the spoiler alert. Most of the people that you admire for whatever are either terrible people or not interesting outside of like whatever that thing is yeah so you're probably better off not knowing (laughs) the truth about them right right they have especially these days where everyone has a very carefully constructed uh you know pr image and the people who don't everyone like they're generally accepted as being terrible people i.e justin bieber (laughs) yeah and uh well and buckethead seems like from what i've heard it it you know it doesn't sound like he's he's not trolling people he's not like messing with them he just sounds like he is like totally crazy yeah because like the whole thing about like when he was with guns and roses and like i guess he like he had something about like he had to like record in a chicken coop or some shit like it was like you know which would be hilarious if he was doing it to fuck with axel rose right because you know like you know like axel would be like not having it but then maybe being like but maybe but maybe because he doesn't know what the fuck because he doesn't understand his own like he doesn't understand chinese democracy is not some great (laughs) thing that's been like like it was hyped up but it was Axl Rose didn't have some great vision of some brilliant concept no, his, album. His his vision was we're gonna release something that people can purchase. <laughs> right, <laughs> that was his vision. And I'm gonna make and, it. <laughs> and admittedly, yeah. that was a great vision on his part. It's just that, uh, considering the quality of what came out, there was no need to take that long to do it. Right, and it, it probably hurt it more than anything because people were like, "This is supposed to be a really big deal," but then after. It took way too long to make it, and then it was like, "Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't worth that at all." That was just, I no, it was uh, an excuse to tour, though, right? Um, oh, which uh, other random music news this reminds me of is uh, speaking of Guns N' Roses and the rotating guitar player lineup. Um, who's in? Who's playing now? Well, uh, is it Ron Thal? I don't know because because uh, this is this is why because Ron Thal is now in. Uh, Scott Stapp's new band? He can't be in two bands. Oh, I did see that yeah, though. Well, I don't. Well, I know. I just don't think he's in Guns N' Roses anymore. Um, because I forget because who no is, one is in like, Guns N' Roses for very long. Right. Right. And uh, so, 
But I saw that and then I listened to it and it's not like some interesting thing that happens to have Scott Stapp singing. It's really bland, but it was in that like everything Scott Stapp was involved in really bland. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you think like, you know, maybe some group of dudes uh, got together. <laughs> Is it Scott Stapp's group of dudes? I, that's what, that's that should be, that well, like, should that be was the my, name of the band. That was my question because like I was like, what is this? Coming up next, Scott Stapp. And it was Scott Stapp. <laughs> and then they're like, Ron, Ron Thal. And I was like, what the, why? Like, does he just have a thing where like, I guess to like, he, he just picks the most. It's not even. Dude, I, he's got to be broke as shit. Like, think about it. Like, because like everyone, everyone that right. I went to school with that's playing like, you know, the huge tours. Right. They have no fucking money, man. They, they're like. Well, he must have got paid for like, Guns N' Roses. I, I, did he? Because it, I I can envision it being one of those things where Axel's like, I'm not paying you shit. And he's l- like, uh, okay, this will probably get me other gigs. Like, you know. Like, Maybe, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he probably did get paid. Yeah. And he probably got paid more than you would get paid to play most tours. But it, I right. doubt it was like, it, it was probably less money than I made last year. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it's also, it was interesting because not only... Is it another project where he's playing super basic stuff? Which again, it kind of makes sense since his his solo stuff is so out there that yeah. like it can't be making him any money, right? It's yeah. clearly it's way in the deep end of like guitar nerdery and like no, like literally every Ron Thal fan I've met like like knows him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like like there are lots of guitar nerds know of him, yeah. right? But I've literally never sat down and listened to a Ron Thal album from yeah. start to finish. No, I, I Everyone I know who's like, oh man, he's so great. And you're like, and I used to take lessons from him. <laughs> and you're like, okay, if you're from New Jersey. Okay, I, I get it. That's, yeah. Yeah. But it's funny because not only is it like the same pattern as Guns N' Roses, but it's a massive step down because it's like <laughs> a sort of, it sounds like it's supposed to be a super group, but not that super. <laughs> not that super. And it's Scott Stapp. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's just, I, I kind of want to follow. We should maybe like actually another episode. We should probably listen to it and like maybe do a deeper analysis. We might have to drink our way through it. Yeah. Yeah. We should have, we should have alcohol waiting ready on standby. Yeah, we get a, um, well, once we get the video stuff up, that's definitely a, a, a format we got to start messing with is the drink through it or suffer through it or whatever. Uh, and I feel like oh, I had some idea the other day for a good inaugural uh, suffer through it, but I forget what it was. Well, it, bonus points if we can Stockholm Syndrome something from Stockholm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not, I don't know what's going out of Stockholm recently. Oh, another episode I just, I was thinking of today. I mean, it's always one I've had in mind, but I'm like, I should probably start like organizing it because it needs a little preparation, but I want to do a, like a full Max Martin episode because I found out from the Grammys that that new Justin Timberlake song that's been annoying the fuck out of me. Yeah. Because it's just so, another, another song about how like, I like music. That's the message of the song. It's called, um can't stop the feeling or something which i i hear like can't stop the rhythm can't stop the beat can't it's just a generic as fuck music song about music yeah and it's like and then i it it got nominated for a grammy because it was from 
it was in some movie because right? it sold a lot oh. yeah and because the revenue streams were significant right and uh and then i saw on the grammys and they, and they had the credits and it was like max martin i was like of course of yeah of course it's max martin max martin is the great satan and <laughs> that's gonna be the episode it's gonna be max martin the great satan and they'll be going through how he is the greatest enemy to good music uh and i think like maybe he, he maybe there's some sort of like you know like balancing like symmetry factor where like because i used to this thing where it'd be like a lot of great music comes out of sweden or like or like music or sweden makes great music but then i also like yeah but also so, max martin you know like there's like there's a there's like flip a yin, side to a yin it. and yeah, yang exactly, to it exactly like you're gonna get mashuga pain of salvation but you're also gonna get max martin well it's like you know tanya had to offset leprosy <laughs> right she's she's norwegian right I think so. Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, we gotta. We also gotta do that. That her videos or whatever because it's just. Oh. Uh, I love you, Tanya. I I Tanya. I would ask you to marry me, except I know you don't want to be crappy housewife. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the song. <laughs> um, so be like, but uh, really, I I just want uh, Scandinavian citizenship. So yeah. <laughs> I need. Trump's in office now. I need health care coming up here real quick. So uh, will you marry me? <laughs> right. So uh, I guess we should talk about uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop is really about they don't even well so i mean you already mentioned like how people think it's a documentary about banksy right right so i think i wonder if we should go back and look at the marketing material because yeah. i wonder if they like have, were like pitching it like that um but right so the it's 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 about this weird french dude named terry okay and and again like anytime you watch or you observe someone of a different culture Right. That maybe like like I've never lived in France. Yeah. OK. So there's this sometimes there's this instinct to be like, oh, he's French. Yeah, like, like it's this dude's different. a little weird. It's weird. Oh, he's just French. But, right. But like it comes out during the movie. It's not like he's just French. It's like <laughs> yeah. French people think he's weird. <laughs> right. Like he is a legit weird dude. But, but he lives in L.A. So right. people are like, oh, he's just French. And and. The thing was, so he used to, he owned, or maybe he still does, whatever, but he had a thrift store, and I guess he was one of the first people to go just take old clothes and just be like, yeah, this, I'm going to sell this essentially garbage clothing, like, this was clothing that someone discarded mm. at $260 an <laughs> item, Yeah, right? And, uh, and at some point, he, like, gets his video camera and he just starts filming everything. And and you you had a good comment on this. You were talking about, like, you're like, instead of taking the video camera away from him, like, everyone just, like, enabled his OCD or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. He, okay. So at some point in the movie, because at first you're like, okay, so the, the, the it's actually, okay, it is a really good documentary, actually. Oh, it's fantastic. It's great. Um, because it's more self-aware than any of the marketing or award shows seem to let on. And, like, the movie knows what it's about. It just didn't seem to market it that way because i guess it just i mean it, it well, makes sense because complex, was a big that message doesn't fit into an advert right you right. know and people yeah. probably would have been like what is this yeah. and then not have seen it yeah it, it, in some ways it makes sense how they marketed it because banksy was such a again that's why i didn't see it because it was such a big deal but every time i heard it, i was like why why i mean yeah. I, in general um right if you're not into street art 
and you and or you're not into just like pop culture for say like there's i know a lot of people who basically their life consists of like i go to my job that i have that otherwise isn't involved in any other aspect of my life and then i like netflix when i get home <laughs> like that like that's their and so like they're in constantly they're like what should i watch now right yeah. and so if you're on that queue it's like here's the thing about a thing that some people care about and may have seen right. so that I can then talk about it with them at some point. This is a movie about a guy you've heard of. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, and yeah, and every commercial sh- just showed, you know, the voice modulated in the shadows banks, you know, like, like a, <laughs> like a, a, like a witness, um, witness protection. Witness yeah. Protect, yeah. Uh, so, right. So it's really kind of more about street art in general at least at first that's what it seems like so it is well that's that's another point that needs to be brought up right was the thing that it, it, what ends up happening is terry's cousin is a street artist and he he's filming him and he thinks the whole thing is really neat like the whole process of the street art like he thinks it's fun how you're like you have to scout out spots and then like you go in the middle of the night and you are doing technically illegal stuff and so there's like the danger of getting caught and then there's and then there's the whole public display of later like you know like i did that blah 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 and um and so they start filming all these other street artists and of course some of these people are going to be pretty sensitive to being filmed again because they're committing crimes yeah prime example uh like terry's own cousin like i like is blurred out for most of the stuff right so his cousin is this guy space invader and so what when he so all the other people all the other street artists when they're like like who is this guy and why is he filming he's like oh i'm making documentary right but he's but he's not right and there's a key point where he mentions how he okay so he got this camera he started now there's there's at first there's a logic to it so you're like oh sure so like and this is how, actually this is how they frame it at the beginning. They're like, they frame it like, this guy was making a documentary about street art, but then somebody ended up making a documentary about him. But actually, that's not entirely true. <laughs> right. uh, so he got a camera, and he the the part that actually makes sense is that he says like you know he started filming it because in a lot of ways it's ephemeral and it just, you know street art it gets taken down or painted over, and so. It's kind of cool to document it. Right. They felt like it was important right, to, for posterity. But I think it, that was more the sentiment of the street artists. Right. Right. They, they were prob- like, they, they were they like, oh, in that. oh, great. Like, we now, right. We have like, archival footage of this. And he's like, yeah, okay. But whatever. I feel like, I feel like <laughs> if those were his words, right. that was probably literally someone was like, why are you filming this? And he's like, because it's ephemeral. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, they, die, or and, they were like, and, oh, oh, so yeah. I get it. You're doing it to preserve it. And he's like, sure yes. like right yes. exactly uh but so yeah so he at some point he mentions that people started asking him why he was filming stuff and he didn't have a reason so he was like uh i'm making a documentary and it sounds like he kind of half believed it right well ex- but, but then uh, but again but it like like you're saying like the thing was he filmed everything like like right. he filmed his daily life and everything oh, yeah, yeah. his so- whole thing was just to film stuff <laughs> and then and then it right. just turned out that what that stuff that he happened to be doing at this point in his life was hanging out with street artists yeah but he filmed everything like they oh, yeah, yeah. and they show footage of him like brushing his teeth right and then like feeding his kids breakfast and stuff they it's meant- just like he films everything right so the, the conclusion i came to i'd say about 30 minutes into the movie was uh that he has camera-based ocd yeah uh, and it like it, it, it makes sense because at some point I, th- I forget exactly what happened like I don't know like maybe when his parents died or something it was some trauma and then he started filming shit 
right? Like they mention a thing well, yeah, happened. No, they do mention the thing about his, his parents and, and like he wasn't there. I think it was, I'd, I'd have to go back and watch again, but I think it was like he wasn't there when his mom died. Yeah, yeah. And right. so yeah. then, so then so, he had this sort of like profound sense of loss of like he didn't, of missing out. Right. Right. <laughs> and so the response was to film everything, everything. and never look at it again. Because that's another right. key point. Well, so, so, <laughs> right. So that's another key point. So eventually all these people are like, hey, so where's that uh where's that documentary you've yeah. been working on and for as long as I've known you? <laughs> and and so then the, the reveal on that is he takes the tapes and he just like puts them in storage and he's never watched any of them. Also, they're not very like catalog like it's not like yeah, he's writing on the tape like <laughs> the date or what occurred. There's just bins <laughs> just and tapes. bins of unlabeled tape. Yeah. So uh-huh. So then the so then the thing was um so actually I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So the the deal was the way this became about Banksy was because essentially he'd met every major street artist because yeah. the deal what ends up happening is um when people would come to LA uh they would hit him up because he knew all the spots. Like he could he was willing to take you around, show you all the best spots. And he was willing to do whatever you wanted him to do, like be a lookout, carry stuff, like use his car. There's a there's a scene where he spills paint all over his car, <gasps> which is amazing. That's a great scene. <laughs> and I'm so glad they left it in. <laughs> yeah. oh. It's so great. Um, so so because he's so like helpful to these people, mm. like everyone hits him up. And so he's he at some point he's like, I've met like everyone except Banksy. And so he's He's then sort of like gets obsessed with oh like I really I really want to film Banksy whatever, and so a lot of the movie is a is about that like how like him trying to find him so eventually he does, and so same line of questioning everyone else has like why are you filming he's like I'm making documentary, <laughs> right and so at some point Banksy and everyone else are like so where's the documentary. <laughs> So he goes through just like the gigantic bin of unlabeled tapes and just like picks random crap. And so I I don't know if like oh yeah, this I was forgot. his oh, this man. was his intent or this was just a factor of like this is all he could do with his uncatalogued archive. But so he makes this thing and it's called um life remote control or something. Yeah. yeah. And the, and it's basically the idea is he just cut random footage together and then sold it as well it's like you're flipping channels through these life experiences and there so there's no continuity to anything it's like it's like just everything is apropos of nothing and basically everyone says it's like essentially unwatchable yeah it's great because the first like um they show you a little clip of it and at first it's kind of like it's kind of ridiculous, but like you sort of see how people could see it as a modern video piece of video art because it's got the the constant cuts, right? It's like very jump cut, like everything's cut, like he, like no clip was longer than like three seconds, right? He edited so much shit together because he had no idea what the fuck <laughs> he was doing. Um, but 
So at first, you're, but but when they were, sh- I remember when they were showing the clip, I was like, oh, so this is probably like you know the beginning of it. But then they explained that it was the entire movie. It's like two like hours, nine, of, two that. hours <laughs> of that, and you're just like, is this like an attempt to induce epilepsy? Like it's so. <laughs> but it, but isn't it also like cut and and synced in a way that it's supposed to seem like. It's just, like really intense too. Yeah, like it's yeah. really like in your face and, and like makes you right. feel uneasy. Which again would be like if that was part of it, but there were like ups and downs. That right, there was no. I think there was like no concept of tension release. <laughs> right, it was right, like because it's like a Cannibal yeah. Corpse album. And so once you realize that, then you start to go like, I feel like this movie he made is a red flag of some kind. <laughs> like I feel like this should be indic. Like people should have seen that and go. Well, actually, they did. Right, they kind of saw it and they're like, that was about the point when people start going. Maybe this guy's just like uh, got a screw loose or something. Like yeah. maybe it's not just French, <laughs> right? Right. It's so so the comment about Banksy that backs up what you're saying mm-hmm. is he gets there and he goes, uh, "Yeah, so I think they were trying to make a movie about me, and then they realized I'm not that interesting, and the guy who was trying to make the movie." Is much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that and that's the thing. It's a movie about it, about Terry, and so so without giving like a ton of stuff away, what eventually happens is you know basically they're like, well, we, all right, we, we're gonna spoil it because we have to really right. oh, analyze yeah, yeah. the ending. Right, that's really right. really yeah, crucial. Totally gonna give away the ending, but like it's, we'll leave out all the all the the various street art parts and and what and how he gets there, but. Essentially, um, you know, Banksy has like given up on making a documentary about him, and he he says, you know, you should go, you should go home. Uh, oh yeah, he he also like he fell off a ladder. Is that how does he injure his leg? Uh, yeah, that's I think sounds, he fa- yeah, I think he fell right. off a ladder. He injures his leg. Banksy's like, you should go home to L.A. and like work on something like maybe like because because he he starts to think like oh i can be a street artist right and it, it's funny because like it, it clearly seemed like banksy was just trying to get him out of his hair like he's like you know maybe you should like do your own street art or something <laughs> just kind of like ah, just go, you know but instead like a little later he's like uh that may have been a mistake because because <laughs> the dude does well and, so yeah we have to you have to the scope of of what he does, so he he like mortgages his house and his business and everything, mm. whatever, and hires like a full time staff. So so what he ends up doing is he he go like he gets all these people who are like he goes on Craigslist, doesn't he? And like puts up ads for his sculptors and all this other stuff. Yeah. And he gets these people and he and basically he says, um, I want this thing made. So he doesn't even like he doesn't actually make any of the art. He yeah. just like gives the formula and then has these people make this stuff for him and he makes tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff yeah so okay so one one distinction so i think at, at first they show him just doing like basic street art shit like he had like okay the so stencils his, his right. street art name is mr brainwash and he had like a mr brainwash stencil and it's so he, mr. Brainwash. Mr. Brainwash. Mr. So, brainwash so first he does all these stencils and it's kind of just like typical shit and you kind of see him being bad at it right you see, you see him spill the paint all over his <laughs> car uh, like in the trunk of the car and uh which is oh, i got that's my favorite scene in the movie it was so perfect the way like just as you're kind of getting like this guy's kind of off uh and then they just show him like like uh, so 
But then, yeah, so he, so then he decides to do, uh, I think because like, I don't remember if he was actually getting some kind of press of his own already, but for some reason he decided to do like a big show, right? No, like no, a big no, gallery no, show. no, no, that, no, there was two, there was two things that happened. One, Banksy had this big LA show, which he helped put on. So he now understood the mechanics of what you need to do to put on a show. Yeah. Right. And he broke his leg and Banksy wanted him out of his hair. So Banksy was like, why don't you go back, go home and like put on a, put on a show and he meant like like a little a little show yeah just yeah. like but but it, but it was in his <laughs> psychosis right. that he was like i should go yeah. put on like this big show i should more i should gamble my <laughs> and my family's future on this show which is a recurring theme because at one point uh like talking to his wife or something and it's so funny how she talks about it because she's kind of like yeah well you know sometimes it's really difficult because he just, you know, films all this stuff and, and doesn't get paid. Like they, yeah. he, it's not a job. Like it's not, he's not making any money off of it. Right. I'm actually really curious about the details of, of what the status of his thrift shop was throughout right, the course because, of all these things. Because presumably he employs people. Yeah. So the shop could probably run itself. Yeah. He might to be some making extent. income just from the. Yeah. No. And I think, I think he was, but I think also like that i think that business probably like started to drop off because admittedly he, i mean he would have still done some stuff around it presumably yeah and so i think that was dropping off and then of course whenever you own your own business you're highly susceptible to like you know downturns and stuff right yeah so uh like right it and you know she expresses like uh it's really scary because we have like three kids they have like three kids it, and she's like and he doesn't get paid to make street the, art the way she does it is still so like carefully half defending it's weird because she's like you know it's tough sometimes because uh but it's like you expect her to be like it's tough sometimes because he's a crazy person who won't put a camera down ever <laughs> and we have kids and like and so but she's more like you know yeah sometimes it's difficult because you know He's got this thing he loves to do, and it's he's not a out, job. He's out all night, every night. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I guess, I guess he's sufficiently weird, though, that she wasn't like he's like thinks he's cheating on her or something. Yeah, yeah. Like he's out, all, he's out all night, and he comes home smelling like paint. <laughs> he comes home smelling like right. spray well, paint. Maybe she knows he's not cheating because uh, there's video evidence of everything he does. She probably checked the she tape or two, and she's like, "Oh, this is fine. This is fine. Like, this is not." <laughs> Anything I have to worry about. Check the tape. <laughs> um, so, okay. So anyway, so he, he decides to put on this like enormous show that he spends like all this money uh, advertising. Like he puts in, and they get like a feature story in LA Weekly. And, um, but basically the whole thing is completely mismanaged. And so they go through, and again, like this could just be a lot of times these things are edited to make them seem like much more dramatic than it was. Who knows? Maybe it was handled fine, but you're led to believe yeah. that it was totally mismanaged and you don't have a lot of reason to doubt that because yeah. it really is in line with like what's on the tapes. <laughs> right. It, 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 it makes, okay, so when you look at like the quote unquote movie that he edited together, <laughs> it makes sense. Right? He, he, do, he, like, he understands how to like, point a video camera at something right because who doesn't but he doesn't know anything about editing or like narrative or like making a film and so similarly pacing he saw that like he probably saw at banksy's show like 
you rent a large space and then put art put in stuff it. in it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and then, then people show up. Right. And that and seemed to be his, his approach. But like, it's funny because he has so many, like he has people doing all the work for him. Right. Like you said, he kind of like has vague ideas and then he's just like, do a bunch of that. Right. Like some of the ideas were clearly like a pattern that they just repeated. Like, well, right. Right. And it'd be like, and here's the green one. Here's the yellow one. And here's right. the blue one. Yeah. yeah. So he took like the basic concepts of pop art. Well, I feel people, they do make the comparison to Andy Warhol, which mm. I think is very prescient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but you would think with that, like if he was even slightly more like cohesive in his thinking, <laughs> He could have basically phoned it in and and it would have been good to go, right? He'd just be like, you know, just give people a little room to do whatever. Well, right. And, but instead. And, well, no. And so, and but then at the end, what ends up happening is they, the, the staff all realize, like, this guy is not going to get his shit together. Yeah. And they stop taking direction from him. Yeah. And they just put the stuff in. Because it's supposed, it's one of those deals, like, you get this space where you have to you have to walk through it. Mm. It's just it's the same way like an art museum, right? Because it's not just like a big warehouse. Yeah. Like a it's um it was in like the old CBS offices or something, mm. right? So it's like you go in, there's and you go room to room to room to room, mm. but in and they just give up on there being an experience and they just put the stuff up. Like it's literally yeah. 3 hours before they're supposed to open. Yeah. There's a line of people around the block and they're just like put it up <laughs> and and also like like the great part about that segment is like just when you think okay we've we've got the full like crazy is like his ego kicks in oh, and yeah. he decides that he like he just like instead of being like oh maybe i can do street art he goes from like maybe i can do street art myself after all this time of just kind of like you know being a spectator or like kind of assistant to these guys and then he goes from that to like I'm the next Banksy. You know, like he's suddenly like, I am really, like, and he starts like bossing people around like, but like, it, it doesn't make any sense because he has no overall <laughs> vision of what the hell he's doing, but he's just like, no, he just starts yelling, you know, like, like he really, like, there's a couple clips that where you're like, whoa, like, like he went from zero to full asshole, like overnight. I mean, probably wasn't overnight, but you know, uh, <laughs> in the movie, you're suddenly like, whoa, like what a dick. Well, it, well, right. And the thing is like, so the media shows up right on the day of the thing <laughs> yeah. and they want like they want press for it right because it's one of those deals they'll show it on the local news they'll be like opening today is the blah 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 whatever right mm. and but again like this the thing's totally not set up and he's told everyone to take direction and the, I, they make it out as sort of like that's the point where people just stop listening to him because they're like yeah. they're like we don't know what to do and he's out there getting interviewed oh yeah he's and interviewing the guy, right and the guy plus trying to direct everything right well and, the, and he there's like there's like a point person right there's like a there's like a guy who's like basically in charge when he's not there and he's like dude you gotta come back in here and like we gotta like finish this and there's he's like, like he's a like, room that's he's like, like empty he's like give me like three minutes and so that dude i think that dude just goes in and he's like guys just just put stuff wherever yeah. like it's be like it's oh, all garbage anyway just plus throw it uh as with uh most people with some form of psychosis like he because like, he he would just change things right so like because there's no logic to his decisions he would could immediately contradict them right, right. so it, like i remember the one where he'll like he had them set up something a certain way and then he'll come in and be like no 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 this is wrong move this to you know just kind of like move the x to y and y to z <laughs> and just keep rotation around you know like but clearly with no logic to it so or yeah. at least no planning right that's right. that's the key no planning yeah um 
But so then, right, so then the totally outrageous part of the whole thing is, you know, the the marketing worked. And again, and this is the deal. Part of the marketing is he emailed Banksy asking for like a like a a, a quote to promote the show. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And Banksy's like, he's like, you know, uh, I gave him a blurb because whatever. And what he right. said, this is, first of all, there's two parts to it. This is what he says. He goes, Mr. Brainwash is a force of nature, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> and so that's, first of all, that's the quote. And then what Terry does with it is he puts it on billboards. He puts it everywhere. <laughs> Huge. Like, it's so great because, like, clearly, like, uh, I actually, this movie made me kind of appreciate Banksy. Like, he seems to at oh, least. He seems like yeah. a very reasonable person. Yeah. Like, I was, because I was, I was just like, I didn't give a shit. But then I was like, oh, yeah. So, but it, he seems very self-aware. Yeah. And also very, like, it's all bullshit. I think that's part of the reason he doesn't want to be, like, his, have his identity out there. Because this is, like, this, like, oh, man. Because I'll never, like, I can't live this down. Yeah. And it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah and so it's great because clearly that quote like a yeah like what's the harm in giving your friend a blurb but then and they make it very clear he did not expect that he was going to like right. put it on billboards he thought he was he thought he was gonna you know be like just you know where you have like a bunch of little blurbs about stuff and blah blah blah, blah like blah. in a program right. <laughs> and he clearly tried to cover his ass by making the statement sound a little bit like backhand like like just in case, uh, I said not in a good way. Like you, it's in the quote. But it's, did you read? Did you read the quote? Right. It is in the quote. He probably though that way he probably figured like when this thing goes, just in case when this thing goes belly up. Right, and he figured like he'll see the quote and be like, oh, I can't put that quote at like the top of my list because it's kind of a little vague, right? And it's a little a little uh, ambiguous. But instead, but it's, but it's nope. like, but like no, ignore all the words and just see who they're from. And I think. It, that speaks to the point your point about the marketing of the movie right yeah and like and and again we need to go back and look that up <laughs> they're probably the, just like banksy yeah they marketed the movie the same way he marketed the show. show yeah <laughs> so so he ends up selling like on that first day like a, at least a million dollars worth of stuff maybe maybe a few million i don't remember they yeah, say it was the a thing, lot of fucking money but he right so basically this he takes this huge risk all these people show up and it's one of those deals where it's a hype cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because he marketed the shit out of it. And then he <laughs> makes all this money. And then do you do you wanna give you wanna give the big reveal of what he does after the show? After the movie? Uh oh, I forgot. He does the fucking Madonna album cover oh, for celebration. Right, right. He literally takes this whole thing. And because he spent so much money on PR, actually turns it into a career. Yeah. So, uh, right. So, okay, so, uh, shit, I had a point about a thing. Um, all right. So, yeah. So the key thing, uh, and I feel like this is the, the key. I mean, this is the takeaway from like pop art and performance art in general. Uh, but, uh, Oh yeah, the other thing. Oh yeah, I just remember. Uh, so he another part of the marketing was there was like the first hundred people get like a one of a kind print or something. Or yeah, like a one of a kind print. Right, right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've but, never really understood that, but okay. But how, yeah, because uh, right, that inherently is contradictory. <laughs> but, but but since he doesn't actually have any artistic ability, right. so it doesn't. It's uh, yeah, it's um or technical facility rather. And it was one of those things where like I think they also like like 
threw that. Did they even have them, or like they threw that shit together at the last minute? Or something? It was one of those things where it was they, like they had them. Okay, yeah. I think they. I think that was like those Marylands. Okay. Oh but, yeah, yeah. That makes but sense. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. But right. So like, uh, it, it, one of my favorite things uh, is to watch for famous uh, artists and musicians who uh, miss the point about other artists and musicians. <laughs> so a great example is uh, when I heard that like. Uh, Lady Gaga really likes uh, Jeff Koontz and and, and Metallica. <laughs> well, yeah, Metallica. And, but and also and then uh, the the performance artist who just like throws up paint. She had her like perform with her. Like that's the level of like I need that in my show. Is this lady <laughs> throwing up paint? Um, and so similarly, right? So Madonna is like, ooh, Mr. Brainwell, and like, like I, th- I think we need you need to be really clear for our listeners who don't know what you're talking about. You're, when you say throw up, you mean regurgitate yeah. out of one's stomach, right? She not like, like th- not like Jackson Pollock, like throw right. splatter paint onto something. Yeah, like she literally it goes inside her body and then it comes back out. Like th- there's a clip in the movie. She's puking. I think wait, wait, it was in the movie. Or what? No, it's not in the movie. It's uh. At least I don't think it's in the movie. I saw somewhere. I saw somewhere a clip of her performing with Lady Gaga though, and it's crazy because it's like you've got your like Lady Gaga stage show, and then some lady sticking her fingers in her throat and puking up. Like, <laughs> be like, so... I thought I thought the Lady Gaga is what drove her to, to vomit, <laughs> but it turns out it turns that's out, why she was there. That's just what she does. She uh, showed up to puke. I came here to puke up paint. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So like the the takeaway becomes like. Uh, the, the the internet refers to her as vomit painter or vomit artist. Yeah. Um, so, right. It's it's the um. I like to Millie, I like, Millie Brown. That's her name. I totally I I knew it and I forgot it. I like I like to bring things back to like like classical conditioning, right? Which is like don't encourage bad behavior, right? <laughs> if you give positive reinforcement to bad behavior. Like it's good. That, it's you gotta, know how that's going to yeah, turn out. Like right. we figured that shit out. So for, for <laughs> similarly, like there's a lot of that in this, but especially that yeah, that show was the ultimate. Like all these fucking rubes in LA showed up for this shit, and they <laughs> and talked about ba- how great bought, it was and, and stuff. bought it for lots of money. And right, and so now like right, the end is like his origin story is complete. This artistic supervillain has been created, <laughs> and he cannot be stopped. And he is Mr. Brainwash. He is Mr. Brainwash. And I mean, his name His name is like the his, most effective piece of art he did because his name kind of makes sense in the end of it. But it's hilarious because it also is like there's no there's no like ingenuity or subtlety to it, right? Right. It's like if you were making a comic book, that's a terrible fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like, I don't think he knows why it's a good name at all yeah, like, yeah if who, know, who knows man but the no yeah but i mean my whole thing about this movie is essentially critical mass right mm. it's hype cycle that turns on itself yeah in in is driven by you know the marketing money and he create he created himself as something to be talked about and then people talked and that caused valuation yeah like if if he had not had an advertising budget it's, it would have never worked. It's the whole the whole thing was reliant upon getting critical mass in the media. Yeah, which is impressive <laughs> um, because there are, like there's stuff in there 
um like they talk about the obey guy they talk about him a lot mm. and like if um i mean i would imagine probably everybody listening to this recognizes that there's it's like the andre the giant's face thing mm. that says obey like you sit around but you have no idea what it is or who this dude is or like there's stuff around well, me. he turned it into a clothing line too so like that thing has taken a whole other like branding step to really yeah um and but like the uh there's stuff around new york like the be mighty guy like if we're just you know you're like you recognize it but it you have not it that recognition hasn't really done a lot to get you to pay into it and yeah. th- but this dude like did market <laughs> this stuff and got all these people to pay him money it's like he did uh yeah he did some stuff really really right but based on the rest of it i can't believe it was entirely on purpose like he just kind of stumbled into the right like let- well no it, it's it's he had no fear yeah right it's it was this deal where he was just like oh and then that that's how you become a famous artist i'll just do all the famous artist things <laughs> yeah i'll just skip to the end <laughs> and then i'll be a famous artist and he and he was right and it, but it and it just goes to show that by having the appearance of being a famous artist is is actually more important than having the technique or ingenuity of a famous artist uh now maybe some people would disagree with me uh i believe the art is objectively terrible as most people <laughs> like you, you know when they talk to the critics there they're like yeah it's kind of like if you know andy warhol but 50 years too late like because <laughs> right. you already did it <laughs> yeah right? exactly but but that's i mean but that's what the music industry is today it's like yeah it's like pop music M- more of that yeah. more more of the same <laughs> i'll have that in younger <laughs> great thanks yeah. yeah um it was i was i mean because i didn't i didn't know how it turned out because i didn't know that the movie was about this guy uh, I was I was watching at the end when I was really like in my mind, even though I kind of knew like that is not how it's gonna pan out. I didn't know about the Madonna thing. Oh uh, yeah, but I I I was part in my mind. I was like, please, because like I know they're gonna all these people come through, and then they're gonna like talk to them and stuff. And I know some of them are just are, are not gonna get it. But I'm like, please let the like you know it's at some point. It's just a matter of how many people are saying A versus B, right? How many people are saying and, and there's pretty much no like very little in between because I feel like people they don't um Well there's if all the they pe- feel like they don't know about art or music or something, they feel they're not qualified to get like I feel like people default to either it's great or it sucks be- if they don't they're not willing to kind of like analyze further right and a lot of times i think people give stuff credit because they've just heard the hype and they're like right everybody they, thinks it's good right, so they it's the, good they right it's the deference to authority when right, when right. authority happens to be weakly <laughs> defined as consensus right right and so or like the marketing material <laughs> the authority they're well, deferring to well right well and so they they interview those there's uh, people right and you get the varying responses about how like it's like second rate warhol to the other people are like it's really neat. Like I totally came and I saw the art and it was neat. Um, and I, and I'm totally reminded of, I used to date this girl who she was really trendy. Like she was very well dressed, spent a lot of money on clothes. She was really trendy. And she, she was always like, it's really important to be on trend. Like, like this was like a serious statement from her. Okay. No, I believe the exact opposite. Um, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. 
Um, but that's sort of like the mindset I'm reminded of because I feel like if like if she had been there, this is exactly what she would have said. She would have been like, all these other people are here. That means this is the thing. So therefore, it's good. Yeah, You're like, yeah. it's it that live event i alluded to it's happening <laughs> like, uh, uh, that bill is very real you need to pay that um like, uh, it's it's in it's maddening like in a lot of senses it's it's maddening like on what like so the so the the banker in me is like okay this is great this is highly exploitable right like this is very yeah. it's very clear how this went down and this is probably reproducible but the artist in me is like this is the worst possible <laughs> thing not only for art but like for the progress of humanity <laughs> right right yeah. um because it because that's how it's like it's the, like this is groupthink 101 yeah. like having gone to 13 years of private catholic school and then having lived uh you know through our current hyper partisan political environment like like these are the machinations they're they're plainly on display and people are just like either oblivious or don't care or actually like bought into it like be like yeah that's confirmed and you're like oh so when i was watching the movie i remembered one person who told me about it who mentioned mr brainwash because i remember him being like but i don't I'm not going to say who, because I also don't remember for sure whether they were positive or negative, but I feel like they might have been kind of positive on it. <laughs> they have been like, this guy's amazing yeah. story. Because I, I, I think it was one of those conversations where I was like, I haven't seen that movie because I don't give a shit about Banksy uh, <laughs> or really street art in general. And then he was like, oh, but like Mr. Brainwash or something. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And he was like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I only remembered the name. And like in the movie is when I was like, oh, I've heard that name. Oh, right. My friend mentioned it probably related to when this movie came out he might have actually told me who it was really about but i don't remember that i just remember him being like oh yo mr brainwash and i was like whatever and now i was like <laughs> i feel like there was a positive tone to that <laughs> if he had been like mr brainwash then i might have been like tell me more about this <laughs> what yeah what's funny though is um uh, like right i i know nothing about street art and then the day after watching the movie, I was like, hey, that's Space Invader. Like, like I was like, <laughs> I know I, everything about Street I was Art. Like, I was like, I know what this stuff is now. Uh, so, <laughs> like, it was funny, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It was weird. But I, I wasn't then compelled to go to Kinko's and make my own, <laughs> right. my own stencils uh, and get a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> you, too, can be a famous artist. It's... Ch chase your or somebody else's dreams go <laughs> chase your dreams and if you don't have any just pick somebody else's they're all good Whatever. And, and market it better Look, than them as long as it involves making millions of dollars i almost feel like that's actually a better strategy right because if you have your own dream you're too you're too clouded by your own idea of you, how you it don't should know be. whether or not your dream is stupid <laughs> Well, but even if it's not a stupid dream, it could still be something that's not economically viable, right? right? Yeah. But whereas if it's someone else's dream, you're free at any point to like rip that up yeah, or, so, or, or twist it in a way to make it profitable. So this is a good, uh, good tie-in um, that doesn't deserve its own episode, but does deserve a mention. I watched the iHeartRadio Awards, which I, keep for, I kept forgetting what iHeartRadio was. I had looked it up before. But I forgot, so I looked it up again, and I was like, oh, right, 
rebranded Clear Channel. Yeah. So uh, that explains it because it's one of the worst, (laughs) and it's hard to be worse than like, uh, I mean, MTV uh, VMAs is slightly worse than the Grammys. This is worse than that. Uh, they gave Bruno Mars an Innovator Award, <laughs> and then in the it was great in the video package about it, somebody was like, you know, Bruno Mars he he mines the 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 music of the past to create the sound of the future, and I was like, which part of this sounds like the future? It definitely sounds like the past. In which but, in which part of this is innovative? Right, exactly. I was like. Like, wait, so wait, when does the innovation happen? Like, I get the mining, mining the past part. Like, that's clearly a, a factor. Like, absolutely. I fully agree with that. Uh, he, he, he literally was a Michael Jackson impersonator. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can, like, uh, there's a lot of Michael Jackson impersonators in the music industry right now. He is the only one I know of who, like, that was literally what he did. And, I, and he was on, like, cruise ships and stuff. So now I consider him, like, the world's most successful cruise ship performer. Yeah. Because he's still doing cruise ship stuff like i mean he, okay he's doing it at like a well-produced level but like none of the all of his ideas are i want to do that old thing that i saw that they used to do right well no but this is totally in line with your whole theory about current bands choose a decade right and it doesn't matter if your image or your name reflects a different decade <laughs> right. as long so, as you pick pick a decade and stick to right. it right so pick somebody else's dream that has already panned out for them and then just uh, follow that. Right. I'll take that in younger. And don't deviate too much from the formula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I was thinking if there's anything else about that that was relevant. I mean, that was the, the, the biggest. I mean, e- oh, yeah, there was. Because every, every award was like, who's the most insufferable garbage <laughs> that made a lot of money? They gave, uh, I forget which award it was, but the Chainsmokers got something. And they performed, which was oh, this was the this was the people that I didn't know what the hell you right. were talking about. So uh, <laughs> they they so their 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 the first song that I heard them do, which I saw on the I first heard of them on the MTV uh, video music awards or whatever, uh, because they performed and they have this song with Halsey, who's some singer, and so so the if if you if you're not familiar, the Chainsmokers is a duo of two of the whitest dudes <laughs> who ever been white. And they just, I don't, I think they're from Colorado, but I just, I immediately get this vibe from them where I'm like, these guys are assholes. I don't know. I might be jumping to conclusions, but I just feel like they're the bad guys. What in a bunch the 80s. of bags. They're the bad guys in the yeah. 80s. <laughs> they're just so like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, the, the point is, uh, there's a great article that like nailed it, which is, uh, they're the EDM, or sorry, the, the they're the Nickelback of EDM, yeah. <laughs> which is a hundred percent accurate, so so accurate because they're like 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 Nickelba- uh, Nickelback a, is a rock band there's, technically. Uh, <laughs> there's a new Nickelback out, by the way. But I would not actually say that they have ever rocked. And similarly, like this is the most like it's not like like at least some EDM you kind of go like okay, this is like they're doing some interesting sound manipulation in Ableton or some shit. And, you know, it's a, it's a, even though it's kind of formulaic dance music, there's some attempt at texture or something. You there's know? like something you can get out of it. Right. But this is just like the most bland, lowest, lowest, po- common, lowest denominator. common fucking denominator. Like, and it's so simple and dumb 
and <laughs> okay, so so and it sells the the first single, uh, which uh, I hate in every conceivable way that did with with Halsey, who also is terrible. It turns out, um, called Closer, which is the thing about they're banging in in the dude's rover. This uh, the, the <laughs> lyric just annoys the fuck out of me. Is something about how uh, well they first of all they they reference boulders so i'm pretty sure they're from colorado and so it's about being from colorado and they're talking about this uh blah blah, blah in the backseat of your rover which i know you can't afford bullshit those people <laughs> can afford first of all you have it so did he steal it did he steal a car i don't think so you guys are way too white to be stealing cars and still be making this kind of shitty music like if they actually stole cars they'd have some i don't know they'd have they'd some have kind of adversity right they have some adversity in their life that would make, make them, them more slightly less bland music yeah yeah, yeah. um and uh yeah so like even like if you just the lyrics this is part of where the whole like the whitest douches i've ever ever seen thing because like you just listen to the lyrics of the song and you're like fuck these guys unless you're like <laughs> similarly a, a, a total white asshole um but twa so uh they're at this award show and uh halsey is there and uh for some reason maybe it's because like she's wearing this like super bright yellow outfit but i felt like they were performing, and you could see her in the crowd. So I thought she was going to, like, <laughs> get up and do her part, because I didn't know it wasn't the same song. So they're playing this song. Because they all sound the same. It was like that song, but even less interesting. It was like, the, it was like closer, but if the chorus never came. It's just it, like the verses. It was, it was further. <laughs> and it's a, yes. And it's an AAA form so, song. Yes. Uh, and it's my new favorite form. It's, uh, uh, we should call it a triple A songwriting. Triple A. Because it's both AAA and it also makes it sound like it's subpar. <laughs> that is because it is. That is fantastic. Uh, yeah. So. Oh man! And oh, here's the other great part. They uh, since the VMAs, where they just performed as this shitty duo, because it's like the uh, I won't call him a singer because he's awful, but the vocalist uh, technically he sings just like so so poorly, like just like like this is what I expect their song to sound like if I heard it at karaoke. Only they're <laughs> the actual band, and then the other dude who play who like probably makes the beats right. So it's probably like beats guy vocal guy and when they performed at the iheart radio awards there was like you know one of these big state it was like a big stage and then there's like some walkways and shit and then like some extra little center like round you know it's like in the round kind of deal but yeah so there's this one big stage in the back where all of the musicians they've hired are now like so they performed at the vmas just the two of them yeah and probably like backing tracks for most shit but at this one, they had a huge, like, like you know, like several backup singers, like horns and shit, like a whole bunch of shit. But they're all in this one kind of backstage area. And then in the middle, little center platform is the one dude who's actually in the band with like a keyboard. And he's just playing like, you know, the block chord, like, you know, like, just like, I know how to keyboard, you know. And so, and then the vocalist dude who kind of just walks around and shit because whatever. Um, He's the front man. Right. So, but I just thought it was funny that they're like, yeah, we hired a bunch of musicians, but they all got to stand over there. Well, and <laughs> no, my favorite is, is yeah, I've seen a few of these um, pop shows where they're on stage and then the musicians are literally like, they're in the shadows. Yeah. It's like, why even... Like, like, why put them on stage? Right. Like, I don't even, it's real, it's weird. Yeah. It, 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 it I don't know. It's, I, I will, I, I, the one, it's one of the few things I want to give music industry credit for is that 
there are there just seem to be people who understand that a live band is going to translate better, right? It's just going to be it's not karaoke, right? Yeah. So it's more there's more energy. And frankly, I've seen some really mediocre pop stars who then I saw a clip of them playing live and I was like, oh shit, they got an, a fucking awesome band yeah. which of course they did they have a lot of money right um and i'm glad that musicians are getting work even if it's in shitty bands <laughs> right um but like and, and you can see the difference too like i said like even well this really didn't it didn't translate to anything because the song was so, <laughs> so fucking bad, bad. there's but, only so much you can do right but I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like the who the first person i really noticed this with was but i did like at some point i started to notice it like like beyonce justin Timber, like anyone who's got the money at some point if they're smart is like maybe i should hire a fucking band and it gives them the freedom to like vamp in between while they change their outfit for the fifth time or whatever you know like yeah. uh and and they'll use it to fill space because their songs are all three minutes long so uh you know if they just like played them through like like metal bands do whatever they'd be done in like a half hour <laughs> yeah. but they need to fill like another hour so they do all their little like like every, I think every clip I've seen of Beyonce, at some point she like explains some backstory about, oh, about yeah. a song or no, some shit. No, my favorite, my still my favorite is that is that Taylor Swift uh, storytellers. Oh yeah, where where so it was on. I, I saw it on the episode of the Soup, and they they just spliced together just the talking parts, <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, she's like, this song's about a boy. She's like, this song's about a guy I used to date. I wrote this song after a really tough breakup. It was and it was like eleven. It was like eleven of basically the a variation of that. It was I have to, fucking I have to. hilarious. This was from like um uh what year is it now? This is 2017. This was from 2014. This is like three years ago. Um but uh yeah, I don't know, maybe it's online. It's a Joel McHale yeah, yeah. soup clip. Well, I used it's to watch the soup so good. Um yeah, it's I'll definitely so check good. That out. <laughs> Taylor Swift storytellers, oh, VH1 storytellers. It's so fucking great. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I imagine there's got to be a lot of talking at any of those shows. But like, and I imagine if you went, like, if you went saw Bruno Mars, right? You know, there's got to be like one section of ten minutes of like crowd call and response type thing. Oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then they're like everybody claps and then they do the thing and then they bring out the guest star and everybody <laughs> like gets excited it's, it's yeah basi- they, it's, it's basically pro wrestling yeah <laughs> and and any of that stuff that that's been done you'll see done more so like they're like uh i i'm trying to remember who first did it i want to say it was like <sighs> shit um it might have been usher he he would like basically have a female fan come up and give them like a lap dance or some shit. What? And then like a bunch of other people like copied that, um, <laughs> including uh, Lil Dicky, <laughs> who, who, the internet rapper who we have to do an episode about him still because uh, he's very interesting. Because it's not that he's the worst; he's far from the worst. And there's a lot of stuff he he does well and. But there's also but but he's but also he's not as good as he thinks he is. But you also know, like, he's not good, right? Uh, but it was funny because I saw some live clip where he does that, and I was kind of like, I hope that's like a real fan because if you pick someone who's just like went with their friend to the show, I mean, I guess again, it's like, I guess they'd have to volunteer. But <laughs> if they don't know what he's doing, like he was like all up on this shit. Like he's probably got stripper dar, dude. 
No, this girl was not a stripper. Oh. No, no. Uh, and, like, it was different. You know, Usher is a really good dancer, right? And he's also ripped, right? Like, he was one of the first dudes I remember doing the, like, constantly pulling up his shirt thing. Because he was just, like, he was, I wonder at what point in human consciousness were, were guys like, man, I got these sick abs, but I'm always got a shirt covering them. Oh, I can't go everywhere without a shirt. Maybe I just like lift my shirt up and then I do it in like a like bam kind of way. Like like it's a reveal like kapow my abs, <laughs> you know. Uh, so but I remember Usher doing that and now just like everybody does. Like there's like a uh, anytime there's a good like spoof on Justin Bieber. He's randomly just like like doing the gesturing and like touching himself and like kind of like pulling his shirt up and shit like. But like he has like, you know, a set of moves he does to emote that he learned as a teenager <laughs> So that's like how he functions socially, probably. <laughs> like he probably doesn't like. Like I said, basically anyone who does a good impression of Justin Bieber like can't sit still, right? They're constantly doing the little like moves and shit uh, as part of his like like swag or whatever. like what he considers swag. I'm like, you have a bunch of social tics that uh, a record label taught to you. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so... See, I thought you would pull up your shirt to reveal the gun in your waistband. Like, that's... Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's the that's thing people... My, that would be my assumed origin of the move. Maybe that's where it came from. Maybe a dude did that, and then someone was like, yo, sweet abs, bro. And he was like, oh, I was just trying to threaten you, but... <laughs> but thanks? Uh, I guess I don't have to cap you now? Like, all right. I gotta think about this. Maybe I should just be doing that for my abs. Maybe I don't need a gun. Maybe... Maybe I can just. <laughs> maybe my ab. Maybe my abs are the way to to, to clean up the streets. <laughs> right. Abs, not guns, or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. Um. Um. Uh, there anything else from the from iHeartRadio? Uh. Which also just seems like a really aggressive name. Like it makes sense that it's Clear Channel because it's like. We gotta rebrand. Like everyone knows, Clear Channel is bullshit. The devil, right? Right. So that name, that name is a lot of uh, yeah. bad ill will. So how do we? Because that was it, it makes sense too. Because like I, like I said, I didn't because I didn't pay attention, but I didn't know for the longest time what it was. I just knew it was another. First of all, I knew it was an award show without knowing what the fuck the organization was. But then I started seeing some other stuff related to it. And, uh, and I was like, what is this thing? And so I looked it up after the awards because I was like, this is really shitty awards. So uh, I got to ask, let's go back to your award show rankings for a second. Yeah. Where does the Nick Nickelodeon uh, Kids Choice <laughs> featuring John Cena uh, as the host, where, where is that in your rankings, well, Matt? I've never watched the Maybe Kids Choice Maybe we should. Maybe. Maybe we, we should just to see how terrible. I mean – it is with John Cena. There's a lot of sliming that could go either way. That could make it way more interesting, or it could really just be a shit show. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm willing to bet that it's painful to watch. It probably but it, is, but it's probably also unintentionally hilarious at times. Right. It's probably like you. I mean, it's it's marketing to children. So at that point, you kind of go like, well, you know, marketing to kids, whatever. You know, just. <laughs> Lots of bright colors and <laughs> it should be like, be like, I've never been more glad to not have children than while watching this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no way I could pretend that this was okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, that's probably pretty low. Plus it's also, it's probably a lot of like Disney stars and stuff. Yeah. But I think, but I think like, um, I think they do have a lot of the other, you know, like 
people who have not been arrested for stuff yet right like like i feel like bruno's got a pretty wholesome image yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah like wholesome. i'm sure he's probably winning oh, yeah, yeah. stuff definitely you know and you know i don't know innovating <laughs> he's the he's the, the nick jr innovator he's the nick at night innovator yes. <laughs> be like be like the, we showed reruns of old shows oh we should just do a uh it's tv land now right they moved all the reruns to TV land. Yeah. We got to put together a uh, top Michael Jackson impersonator episode where we go through all like, um, I mean, or, or we could just do, we could have an impersonators episode, right? Kind of like how, you know, like Dread Zeppelin's the fat Elvis. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's definitely enough uh, Michael Jackson clones out there to do an entire episode because oh. like, so uh, most male pop stars are Michael Jackson and most female pop stars are Madonna. And that's just like, like uh, it's, it's across the board, like very little deviation from that. And like most of the things that they get given credit for is like stuff Madonna did stuff or you stuff you forgot Jackson, about <laughs> right? or stuff you weren't around for because <laughs> you're not old enough to remember the eighties, uh, which is why we provide a vital service to the music community on this podcast because <laughs> we remember the 80s we are we're technically music historians yes we're archivists we should just film everything in our lives and just put the put the the footage in a storage bin somewhere in a 